To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers I know y'all be like, man, this is first year. He really didn't took off on us, man. I'm like, of course, now we want to bring him on the podcast and he want to be first in the league now. I'm like, yo. Hey, well, I, I, I could have been doing good, bro, but I took some trades, was trading, was just made certain moves, but I, I just followed my first mind and shit. I followed my mind. Yeah. I was in Carolina, and I know y'all was laughing, but I like, why is he drafting all these Carolina players? But if y'all would have saw, which y'all, y'all seeing what I saw now, yeah. How these hey. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get it cracking. All right. We about to get it popping. Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 74. The Opinionated Bench Warmers are back with another edition of the podcast. We got Carlos here. We got Ramon here. We have a very, very, very special guest. We're gonna introduce him in a second. We just want to start off by saying thank you for rocking with us. Thank you for following us on O underscore Benchwarmers. Thank you for the subscriptions that we've been getting to the podcast. If you're late to the party, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Opinionated Benchwarmers on Apple Podcasts, that's Stitcher, that's Google Play. Wherever you like to listen to your podcast, just make sure that you're subscribing to us. That's how we can get our followership up. We're continually growing by the episodes, so we appreciate all the love and support. Last last call, last call, last call for t-shirts. We got we dropped our merchandise t-shirts link in our old underscore bench warmers bio. So make sure that you just click that link, put in your pre-orders. We'll try to have those out by Thanksgiving, like we said. So make sure that you go ahead and place your order. We are getting to capacity, so it's almost too late. But we got a little more time for hearing this. Go ahead and rush to O underscore bench warmer on Instagram. Hit that link and go ahead and place your pre-orders. Fellas, like I mentioned, we got a very, very special guest in the building. We want to welcome him in right now, and that's Coach Chris Clark, assistant coach from the Southern Southern University Jaguars. What up, Jaguar Nation? What's going on, brother? Man, how y'all doing, man? I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Oh, no problem, man. No problem. We happy that you was able to take time out of your busy schedule Chris, man, we we gonna start off with some with some uh, some formal, man. We've been knowing you for some time through fantasy, brother. You've been in a, a part of our league for some years now, man. So, man, let let, let them know how opinionated bench on podcast league get down, man. It's a select, it's a very elite league. Go ahead and vouch for us. We've had a couple members of the league come on the podcast in the past, but just let the let the listeners know how competitive this fantasy football league is. It's serious. If you if you don't know what you're doing, you will get exposed. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Carlos. Uh, Carlos, that's my guy. He he don't want to. He's gonna. Carlos is very aggressive. 
he's gonna say, Hey man, just take the trade, it'd be good for both of us, you know. <laughs> oh, that's his favorite line. That's his favorite line, Chris. Yeah, I Carl, the funny thing is funny you mentioned that, Chris, because Carlos in trading has a script, and I could literally write down <laughs> every every line that he uses, whether it's like uh uh this 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 particular player is putting this up, bro. I I can't trade him for that. The guy has only been had one good game. Like, why am I supposed to trade for this guy and and just shed my whole team? And he had one good week. He he is good at that. Yeah, he is good hey, at that. Hey, but, man. but Chris, I ain't gonna defense. tell you, man. One, I ain't gonna expose you either, bro. But man, like. I don't know about you either. We'll have a deal in place the night before. And, you, and you're like, okay, I'm going to accept it. Let me go eat dinner. And then I don't hear nothing from you. Then the next morning, no, I decided to go in a different direction. What's up with you, bro? I talked to my personnel team, man. As a GM, you just can't make that trade right then. You got to talk to the other scouts and be like, what's going on? He's done that to me before too. I'm method this year. I haven't made a trade yet. I put players on the trade block just to see. Let me see what people are offer me. I'm but, done with this. I'm done with this conversation. Hey, hey, before, hey, before we change the subject, I'm telling you, I remember during the draft, y'all was like, man, Carolina guys, Carolina guys. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. A lot of Carolina guys on Chris's team keep that mental note. We want to stay in order. By the way, Chris is number one in the league right now. We're only nine games in. We're going into week 10. He's only two games up by up up off me. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm two games behind out of first, man. That, that's, that, it's a long season, man. But anyway, like we mentioned, assistant coach for the Southern University football team. Y'all are coming off a, a pretty strong uh season. Um, y'all have a great facility. Um, first of all, Southern is near and dear to my heart because all of my family graduated from there. I grew up on the campus of Southern University, going to games, tailgating, the tradition. I did decide when it was time to go to college to go on a different route. I turned into an LSU Tiger, but still much respect to Southern University and what they've been doing with their football program. I just want to start off there, man, kind of like um, how have you been um, just to introduce yourself to the listeners first off as a, as a, as a assistant coach at Southern university. And then I want you to kind of get into how you got into coaching and, and how did you end up at Southern? So, you know, I'm one to my fourth year. Oh, Chris Clark. That's, that's my name, of course, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I wanted to my fourth year of coaching, third year of Southern. My first year was at Southeast Louisiana university where I graduated from. And what what got me? You know what, guys? Honestly, I'm not about to say and make no story up a lie to y'all. I don't know what made me get. Please don't. Please don't. I'm not about to say lie. So you know, I ain't about to be. You know, people be like, "Well, man, it was this the kid." Nah, man. I honestly don't know. I guess once you can't play anymore, and you just like love it, you like, what can I do? So I was playing flag football on my homeboy team with my best friend, and I was like. That's how I started playing flag football. And when dudes ain't no, you know, coverages and stuff, I'm like, man, what the hell y'all got going on? So I've started this out coaching out there. So my homeboy's like, man, you need to go, go coach, man. Come try it out. I was like, man, I'm not about to be a coach. You know, the image I had of coaching was way different. So 
I started at 2015 with the Baton Rouge Raiders. Got with them, the age group was 11 to 13. And I fell in love with the kids though. I did fall in love with the kids and just being with them because, you know, it's not, you know, it's not just about football. It's about reaching out to some, somebody younger than you, just being a mentor, giving them that, that love, that tough love, but also, you know, loving them because man, the situations I saw that a lot of these guys were in, it was like, wow. You know, I came up in a single parent household. So, you know, I could, I could relate to it, but some of those, man, some of those kids, man, didn't have mom, daddy, grandma, none of them, you know? So I was, uh, excuse me, I got to South, I was in Southeast about to graduate. I had to do an internship for my undergrad for sports management. So I was just thinking, thinking, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try my luck. I inboxed uh, a couple of coaches on the football team. And, and man, there it is right there. Got on with them, and next thing you know, God just put me in. So, and I ended up, like I said, I'm a year three or seven back home, and it's a challenge being at home, but you can't, you know, I'm learning in this profession about patience. You can't, you can't question God's work. You can't. Just, you can't rush the process. I used to rush everything. Like, all right, I'm going to go here for a year. Then next year, I'm going to go here. Then, okay, man, if I were record, I could be at Alabama, LSU somewhere. It, it, don't work, it, don't, it doesn't work that way. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning my lesson. I learned my lesson. I was humble. And just learning, man, you have to have a process in everything. You It doesn't matter what you do. You have to have a process. And just being around great great man you know I have mentors and and things like that and just learning how to build build the process in life because as you know when people think coaching football they just say oh he coaching X's and O's but they don't understand it's a lot of things that goes on on and off the, off, off the field yeah you know and I'm not gonna dig too deep into that you know what I'm saying but you know you, you guys know it's life mm-hmm. especially on the college level like because mm-hmm. when he's when these parents send these kids to your school for the next four years, you are responsible for them. You know, you have kids from all over, Tennessee, Texas, Florida. We have somebody from Ohio. So your mom and daddy can't just come down here if something's going wrong. We have to be responsible for that. And it's just, it's like that. You know, yeah. and you see, you see like, did I really act like that when I was 18, 19? And you like, yeah. But, you know, it just makes you love them, man. And then I just love it because it's about making them become better every day, becoming a great man, to be yeah. a great husband, father, leader in life, you know. So that's that's what I like about it. Yeah, man. I mean, you said a, you said a lot. You're in a mentorship uh, position. And uh, I, I think that, you know, being Southern, I mean, Baton Rouge, they love their Jaguars and they love their football. And y'all have a very, very strong support. Uh, we do. We 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 well traveled um, from the Bayou Classic or, or whatever. So I mean, with COVID, I mean everybody's been affected by it in, in different ways with, with COVID nineteen. However, we we find ourselves in a situation now where the SWAC made a decision very early to have their season in the spring as opposed of the fall. So my question to you, as preparing your players for the upcoming season. How has it been challenging getting ready for the season? And, you know, you, you prepared in the summer 
and you, you're thinking that you're about to play in the fall, but now you have another offseason, a double offseason. So just kind of get into it if you can about what are the preparations for next season and is this long break beneficial to you guys or is it is it kind of making y'all a little sluggish? It goes back to trusting the process. Uh, and so when all this happened back in March, you know, we were thinking a couple of weeks we'll be back. Or not not in not April. We know for sure we coming back in the summer for summer workouts. We didn't get our guys back until school started. So that just the it mentally it it makes you it, it messed you up because you're thinking like what's next? What's going on? And then you saw the numbers just came coming, 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 spiking. And it was crazy. But what what I love about Coach Odoms and this program is all players believe. All players know any situation happens, you have to adapt and overcome. They went home and they didn't let Corona stop them from going outside, working out. And like Coach was telling them, go, go push some cars, go go run, go push up, do, do things that they did back in the old days, you know, they didn't have weight rooms. So, you know, all the gyms and stuff was closed. So go, go lift sandbags, go, go, if you in the country, go on the field, go do things like that. So they, the guys, man, they, they work, they, they're hungry. They know, you know, what the goal is. They know what, what our mission is, what we have to do. And we can't just be that, well, Corona happened. I'm at home. We probably they gonna cancel the season, so I'll be all right. I could chill out, you know, eat, do bad, you know. But they didn't do it. And when they came back to school, they was hungry, man. They was they finished really good in class. They didn't let that mess them up. And you know, of course, the news about the season being canceled in the fall, it hurt. But we knew it. Coach prepares us all the time, so. Yeah. yeah, I like that no excuses thing. I mean, you have yeah. to stay ready. I see you guys finished six and one in the, in the SWAC last year, which is pretty big. And y'all are competing. But now, hey, y'all got some new some new blood in there, man. Florida AM has joined the fold into the SWAC, um, as well as prime time is coming to the SWAC in Jackson State. So how does that affect you guys recruiting? And how do you, how you feel as though the guys have responded on your team to it? Are are they up for the challenge? Committed. They this is hey, this is what you come to Southern for. Because every Saturday when you on that field, guess what everybody everybody's gonna play their hardest game against you. This every team we play, we're their Super Bowl. I don't right. I don't care what your record is. I'm gonna talk to Texas Southern. Texas Southern was 0-8. And they played the tails off, man. Right. But that's pretty sad. It could be Valley, anybody. You're gonna get the best from them. They know was you know, they know it's southern. So you have to live up to, the, to that to that standard. And it, it, it doesn't matter who who the you know, congratulations, Jackson State, the Deion Sanders, but we we know what our goal is. The jazz, the jazz gonna work. The jazz gonna work. So I like, I like that, man. My father gonna love to hear that, man. Hey, he runs a hell of a program, man. 
Yeah, he does. And that's what I was telling my dad. He did. He didn't just come into Southern, uh, and you know, once the stump era ended, he didn't. He didn't just come to Southern and build a, a team. A team. He built a program. And you know, even when you look at the facilities that that Southern has now, uh, the the artificial turf on the field, and then y'all are consistently in the. We are. I'm gonna say we because I'm a part of Southern fam too, man. We are in the thick of things every year. And I mean, that's, that's, I met, I've been around Coach O a few times, just seeing him around when I was living in Zachary, uh, just seeing him at, um, at a wing stop and, you know, just the energy that he brings. Yeah. Just the energy that he brings and just how nice he was. He don't know me from anybody else, but treat me with the same respect. So Coach Odom had definitely built a program. Brothers bringing in a great guy like you to be a part of his staff. I can only imagine if, if his standard is to bring a, a, a guy of good character into his program like you, then the rest of the guys are much the same. So yeah, amazing, um, man. It's amazing. What, what, so with you being so young, Chris, you you are practically our age, you know, you know, 28, 28 you know, and you being so young and being able to kind of relate to those guys. Um, does you do you think that it benefits you being around there closer to their age at your age and not being too far removed from college football? Yeah, it helps. It helps out a lot because I play college ball myself and I know, you know, what they go through. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to be a father. I'm 28. I'm young. You know what I'm saying? I got yeah. guys, one twenty-two, even 23. So, you know, but I'm, I could be that big brother. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it easy on you mm-hmm. because I don't want you to fail. If you, if you only, if you leave Southern without a degree, I don't even care about playing. I don't care about playing. But if you leave it without a degree, and you're not the same guy. You're not the same Mike when you was 18 and you leaving at 21. If you if you're the same guy with no degree, that's my fault. I failed you as a person and as a coach. That's, that's excellent, man. That's 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 listening to our young listeners that are recruits. That's the type of program you'll be going into. You fellas, what y'all y'all got anything for Chris? No, man. I, I think that's huge. You know, I think especially now for us in our age group. Um, being in that age range where we are mentors to the younger generation, where it feels weird for us because, again, we're not that far removed from it, but we're in that middle part where we're not like the father figure, but we are the, um, you know, we are the mentor. We are like, we was just there type of like, hey, you know, we we can joke, we can be cool, but hey, man, we're going to get this education. We're going to make sure you focus on your schooling and then football come after that. So I think that's huge that, you know, you said that, that, you know, their education comes first, you know what I'm saying, before the football, you know what I'm saying? That shows, again, what type of program that Southern has going right now. Yeah, and just to add on to that, like you said, it gets to the true sense of when you say student-athlete, student-athlete. Um, and so I like you can that, see at that picture, you can see in that Southern program that you truly have student-athletes over there. So kudos to y'all, man. Hats off to y'all. Like he said, we all uh, support Southern. My family has a long lineage uh, of Southern grads as well, too. So, you know, we definitely rock with Southern completely. So, Chris, man, I saw some interesting stuff from you, man. You had the opportunity to go to Carolina and intern with the Carolina Panthers, man. That's that's huge. Can you kind of get into what, what interests you into getting into that? And what, just tell us a little bit about your experience just to start off about being out there in Carolina, man life-changing moment for me. Hey, first of all, I'm, I will ever be grateful and thank God 
into Matt Rule, Frank Oakham, Jeff Nixon, that staff for giving me that opportunity. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a graduate assistant at Southern. And I went to the Bill Walsh Minority Internship. And, you know, when I got that opportunity, it was amazing. I mean, I was there two months. So I got to see a lot of things. Hey, man, the process. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell y'all this, man. Matt Rue is a hell of a guy. He's a hell of a man. I apologize. He's a hell of a man. I am not talking about coaching. He's a hell of a man. And Carolina's going to be really good. Really, really good. They, they, he, he's building something up there. And if you look at his track record, it goes from when he was at Temple, his first head coaching job, he turned that program around, got the job at Baylor. And we all know how, how that situation at Baylor was. Three years. It's something some about the year three for him. Baylor won 11 games. And I look at him. And if you watch, I watch every Panther game every Sunday. I talk to the players and the coaches every week. And the, the three and six record is not them, you know. But it's, it's, not, it's, it's not. It's not them. They lost the biggest defeat to hit was Tampa Bay. Now it's just by ten points. Yep. They look. They just lost to the Chiefs by two. Lost to the Saints by three. And it's a young team. Hey, hey slow your roll by talking about the Saints. Okay. I'm, joking. Right. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Keep going. Bro. Young, it's a young team, man. They, they they believe, they trust this process. Coach is good, man. That that culture in Carolina is it was amazing, man. Yeah, I mean they, they lost by the Chiefs uh, by two, like you mentioned. That was very impressive this past weekend. And I think that even with Teddy and him being groomed, people got to realize Teddy hadn't started on for a football team in like four years. Uh, just being behind Drew Brees for maybe two or three years, and then you know, of course, he had that gruesome knee injury, but. He looks better. He looks like he's getting his feet up on him and he's gaining confidence by the week. So I'm interested to see, like you said, about how can Carolina progress. And then you mentioned, again, I mean, we thought it was odd, even though it wasn't surprising to me that you, during our fantasy draft, that you drafted so many Carolina Panthers on your fantasy team in our league. So touch on that, man, about the guys that you drafted, Curtis Samuel, you know, you, you, you got, who else you got on there? Um, DJ Moore and Robbie. DJ Robbie. Moore and Robbie. I like DJ Moore now. But yeah, I mean, just what, what did you see in camp from guys that made you know that they would have the success that they have now? Joe Brady calling the offense. <laughs> yeah. We know about that as we LSU know Tiger. Joe, we know about that, man. How this? Got that, that damn dude, man. He's amazing. But to be that young and that bright, yeah. All I can say is this. Sean Payton created that monster. Mm -hmm. Sean Payton created that monster. Yeah. And he, he had Joe Moorhead that uh, he was Mississippi State's head coach last year. I think Joe Moorhead's at Oregon right now. That's Joe's mentor. They create, they, him and Payton created that. They just like had a baby and he, that baby's Joe Brady. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Telling you, it's not gonna be good. And then Ted and them bonded to the system. Look, I saw when I saw the first day of Walker, and we was going competing, and I saw Robbie and DJ and Curtis and McCaffrey. The speed is just yeah. It's hard. 
I mean, Robbie Anderson was a deep threat in New York. Mm. Now he's this a receiver. Guy, he's second leading receiver in the NFL. DJ mm. Moore is the top seven. They have the most combined yards out of any duo in the NFL. McCaffrey was out. That was week three against Tampa. No, I'm sorry, week two. Week two. He, you know, people thinking, oh, the ghost offense. <laughs> Went on three game winning streak. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mike Davis. One of y'all stole Mike Davis from me, too. I, I just want to let, let y'all know I did put a bid on the phone, but it's, it's cool. <laughs> so yeah. I had a chance on that bid. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, the, Panthers, the whole bid, man. The, the Panthers are in, in my Saints division, and uh, I do pose a threat. I, they do pose a threat for the future, hey. of course, <laughs> and uh, it's very admirable. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Teddy just by what he's been through. Hey, great guy, man. Great. Yeah. He's a Amazing yeah, I, he's an amazing guy, and and I, I hated to I hated to see him leave New Orleans. I really did, but you know he he's a good guy. He's raised right. You could tell he's a good guy, and um, not only that, he's super talented. And I think he's reminding people about how talented he was when he came into the league. But that's that, that, that that's enough about uh the other guys. Let's just talk about your experience, man. What did you learn from that experience, and how did it make you a better coach by just being able to be? Uh, be able to be around Matt Rule in that system for two months. And how does NFL coaching compare to college coaching? The number one thing it taught me is how to be a professional. Hmm. Now, what helped me out was I was groomed already from Ron Robinson, Southeast, and then Coach Odom's to Southern. So when I went there, I knew this is NFL. I had to be a professional. So I knew what the standard was. I knew I had to be committed. I had to be disciplined. This wasn't this wasn't a a, a a trip for me to go out and have fun. This was this was a business trip, you know. Business trip. Yeah. This is my future. I'm yeah. I'm I'm betting. You have to bet on yourself. It's all you know. And I and I told myself. I looked in the mirror and I just said, "It's your opportunity, man. You you have an opportunity that a lot of guys around this country were praying for." And I was so blessed to get this opportunity. Like guys, it was like like that. It wasn't no, <laughs> this wasn't no year long wait for me, you know? And I, and it's crazy because when Corona happened, I was like, well, there goes my chance at the internship, you know? Mm-hmm. But I kept, you know, I, I kept in constant communi- communication with uh, Frank Oakham. That's my guy, I man. He's the uh, D-line coach up there. Mm-hmm. He, he helped me out, man. And I mean, he was at Baylor. And I, I mean, like, it's so many guys that they could have chosen. You know what I'm saying? Former players, guys, they knew at Baylor. He Frank played in the NFL. He played at Texas University. He played in Houston, Texas. He knows in Seattle. He knows guys that was trying to get that spot, but they picked me. And so that also humbled me. And I told myself, like, they picked me. God put you in this position for a reason. You got to go up there and take advantage of it. And I went up there, and it was a business trip. Out First one in, last one to leave. Yep. I, I was telling Coach, like, Coach, you know, the deepest question, I said, Coach, whatever you need, I'll do Fix your coffee. That's fine. I, look, man, I'm here to work and learn because I'm a brown professional, co- you know, NFL coaches, you know, and the difference between the NFL coach and the college coach to me, my personal opinion, really nothing. Only, you know, only difference is that you're not recruiting on the NFL, you know, but other than that, it's just the same. Ball, 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 and life. And you know, those NFL, it's a lot of life lessons. You know, they 
the guys was teaching me things about, you know, investing your money, uh, pension, real, like real estate, mm-hmm. marriage, kids, just life in general. It was, you know, yeah. they were showing me things, uh, how to set my future down the line, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I haven't learned that before, but, you know, the, I'm on a level with these guys are millionaires, you know? And then the players, man, the players are so... So down over they cool. They they're not. Uh, I got close to Shaq Thompson. Shaq's really cool. Like I say, me and me and Teddy really cool. McCaff- hey McCaffrey, man. Oh McCaffrey, cool man. McCaffrey, come on here. <laughs> like that. That's how. That's how laid back he is. He he's hey, not. Man. Hey, hey, right. Hey. Set it I'm up. Just, so, Set it I'm up. So serious. I'm serious, man. Like McCaffrey. Hey, and what made him stand out? Hey, C Mac, man. He, he takes everywhere. He does not take a playoff. He does not be like, oh, I'm the superstar, I'm the best player, so I ain't got to practice. He carries his own helmet, his pads. He gets his own water. So this is what stood out to me, the little things. He was taking his tape off, and he you no know, shooting basketball with it. He missed it and went to trash can. So the trainers, one of the trainers ran, oh, I got a Christian. He told him, no, 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 no. I don't, you don't get paid to pick up my miss, what I just did. And it's, it's, you know, but people like, that's, well, that's crazy. He was just picking it, but it's the little things like that. Yeah. That, that, that sets the tone of the culture because he, he's a, he's a, he's the best player. He's a superstar, you know? Yeah. Not, one, he's of not, high, one of the highest played running backs in the league. And man, like the training, you know, they, they, you know, everybody's watching all eyes on him. He, he picked the tape up, put, put it back. He even helped. I see him help the trainers push the coolers off the uh, grass to get on the concrete to get on the court. Like, it's, it's things like that. He's like, he's never too, you know, you're never too big for your, your job title because as quickly as it was given to you, it could be quickly taken away. And he's yeah. so, he's humble. And that goes to what Coach Rule preaches about the process, the little things. In order for you to succeed in life, you have to do the little things. Mm-hmm. Little things like putting the cap on your toothpaste. It's a, it's a routine. You get 1% better every day. So when you wake up every morning, you have to unscrew that cap off your toothpaste, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. What's so hard about putting it back on it, putting it back where it was? And it's the little things he was preaching about that's, that stuck with my mind. Like, because my first day, I was like, why is he saying stuff like the dishes? You see a fork in the sink, you just going to leave it there? Like, he was just toothpaste, just little things, piece of paper on the floor. But I asked the as the days went on, I understand why he said you get 1% better every day. Because if you don't do the little things in life, right, you got to achieve the big things. So if you can't do the little things, God's not going to give you the bigger things, the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, but The man. bigger picture for me is I want to become, my goal is to become a, a defensive coordinator and a head coach one day for an NFL team or a big, you know, power five program. But if I don't complete the tasks I have now, which is Southern, uh, you know, a, a low-level deep Division One school, HBCU. That's a, that's a task. That's the little thing I have to complete first. I have to do the little things there right first in order for, for God to reward me with the the bigger picture. And that's just how I'm I'm living now. And I'm not gonna be like I was living like that before. I wouldn't. I wouldn't all the way focus. But you know, it's just life issue. You you, you you know, you take bumps in the road and you go from there. For yep. sure, man. For sure. Well. Chris, man, we appreciate you for coming on, brother. Uh, anytime you want to come on, man, you're welcome. So just, 
just hit up, hit us up. You know how it go, man. That's that's Coach Chris Clark from Southern University, the Southern University out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're from the opinionated bench warmers. We just want to say good luck in the spring. We're gonna be rooting for y'all like we do all the time. <laughs> Listening to every game on the radio, watching on TV when it comes on. We're gonna be have a spotlight on you. Uh, tell them, Chris, man. Tell our listeners where they can find you on on any social media, bro. Hey, so uh, Twitter is at Coach CD Clark, and my Instagram is the same thing at Coach CD Clark, man. Follow me. I follow back and everything. Uh, anybody need advice? Want to talk about anything? It doesn't matter. We, yeah. We can so talk. all you young athletes out there, man, hit up Coach, man. He can give you some insight. If you're in high school aspiring to be a college athlete, he definitely can give you some insight on that, Chris, man. Coach, we appreciate you for coming on. And, of course, man, I need you to catch some a couple losses in fantasy, man, so I can get that number one spot, man. That's all I'm asking. We, we got you on the podcast. I need you to take some L's, bro. Hey, I already got my plan, man. I, I look, I'm seven and two, four games left. All I got to do is to get two wins. I'm locked in number one. I'm locked in. I, I just got to get it. Two wins. All right, all right, well, all right. <laughs> you know who I play next week, huh? Who that? Vermont? You play me? Okay, you better hope C-Mac out, man. He's going 100. He is out. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I know they're saying that he probably is going to be out with the shoulder situation, but that'd just be, when that'd... my squad finally gets healthy, man. Just when they finally get uh, healthy. That'll be, be the game that I lose, watch. I'm telling you, yeah. watch. Uh, I hope you do. Hey, Chris, man, appreciate you, brother. Man, good luck this season, and we're going to holler at you, all right? I appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all. All right, no problem. What a guy. What a all right. What a guy. What a good guy, man. What a good guy, man. What y'all thought about Coach Crock, man, from Southern University. Like you said, man, good guy, good information. Uh to hear really that inside scoop. You know, a lot a lot of the times our listeners like to hear, you know, the inside of what's going on in a particular program or a particular, you know, group or anything like that. So to hear that insight to talk to even the young guys out there to kind of give them some insight on if they want to make it to the next level, what they have to do to prepare themselves. Um, I thought it was a great interview. And even the little, you know, the other added tidbits of going out to Carolina and the Christian McCaffrey story and all that, I felt like it was some interesting insight, man. It's always good to know some behind the scenes things. We definitely got the double dip treat and that he has that NFL experience while also being an assistant coach at Southern. So we was able to get the college piece and the NFL piece. And just as he spoke about the difference between the NFL and, and college football coaching is uh, quite remarkable. My favorite piece was probably the Christian McCaffrey piece about how humble and how great of a guy he is. And I mean, I, I tell you, when your franchise quarterback, who you know is a great guy and Christian McCaffrey, your best player is a, is a great guy. That, that's pretty contagious, you know, and, you see Matt Rule has, is building something there. And, and um, unfortunately, he's building something there. I just say that as a Saints fan because I'm going to have to deal with this for the next few years. But, you know, it's, it's great to see uh, – it's, it's great to just see that, you know, he, you know, despite how much money a guy has, that he, that he still doesn't forget where he come from. Yep. All right, man. Let's so let's try to just knock out some topics for the listeners because I know that they wanted to kind of get into some stuff. Uh, they like to hear our insight on a lot of stuff. So we're just gonna start off like we always do, uh, just starting off with our rankings. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Let's start up there. They're number one in our rankings. 
and they found themselves in a in a, in a scrap with the Cowboys, uh, which they were they went in as nineteen point favorites, and they ended up winning by I think a field goal. Is it? That's it was uh, by five points. By five points. So I mean, with the Cowboys, let's start there. I mean, we talked about it last week. It seemed like the Cowboys were depleted, of course, with Dak with a horrific ankle injury. And we had Andy Dalton with the horrific concussion injury. And then they threw in some guy off the street. And now we found uh, Gilbert, who looked like he is up for the task. He looked pretty sharp. I think he didn't cause – he didn't hurt the Cowboys for sure, but he definitely kept them in the game, in the battle. But, I mean, he was really impressive. Let's start there. How impressive was Gilbert? And do you think that he may be a viable option going forward? I mean, I thought that he was pretty solid. I thought that he, I mean, to me, he still didn't didn't light the 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 earth or the world on fire, set it on fire. But he <laughs> was he was better than kind of what they've been having the last few weeks or so. Uh, he was pretty competent. I mean, you know, offense looked a little bit better under his direction. So, um, I mean, I think that they found something that they can plug in for now. Of course, you know, going forward. It's going to be interesting to see how this Dak situation is handled, whether they're going to look to, you know, draft potentially a quarterback if they're looking at potentially having a top five pick and Justin Fields being around or something like that, uh, what they'll look at for the future. But, I mean, I still don't put any stock in anything going forward for the Cowboys. I mean, it was a great effort, great effort against Pittsburgh, but I'm not about to say, okay, now, you know, they they found the, the ingredient, the missing link for them to have an okay season they're still going to be pretty terrible for the rest of the year. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Yeah, I think they put the – right. I think they put together a good game plan, um, which, you know, a game plan that which they were a 19-point underdog and led most of that game. But I think, you know, Garrett Garrett Gilbert, Gilbert, you can't really take away – you can't take away what he did. He led the AAF, you know, that lead beforehand – and passing yards, and he's one of those players that he showed that he can play. He has been a, a journeyman thus far, and he's bounced around, but, you know, he's finally getting an opportunity. It'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys do when Andy Dalton gets back healthy and off the COVID list. And, um, you know, if they decide to stick with the young guy and see if he can continue to put – because at least he looked like he could – get the ball, pass the ball around where the receivers can actually get some catches and mm. make some plays. You know, the, the last guy, Danucci or whatever his name was, you know, he did not look like he should be on the NFL field no. at all. Um, you know, and Garrett Gilbert was a guy that, you know, actually looked like he can be at least a serviceable quarterback. But like you mentioned, I don't expect the, the Cowboys. I mean, in that division, you know, all they probably would need to do is win maybe three games or so to even compete with it right now for the rest of the year because that division is so bad right now. We talked about that on that last podcast, but you know, um, I don't see them, you know, I see, I see them competing for a top five pick next year. Yeah. So um, Garrett Gilbert may be a temporary fix for now, just to keep the ship afloat. If you will, I think the defense was impressive. You know, I put a lot of I put a lot of Steelers in, in lineups just thinking that the Steelers were gonna shred them up. The receivers, the secondary was gonna get shredded, but the, the Cowboys kind of held their own surprisingly. Um they played with some pride there. Um 
I don't know if Ben getting shook up with the knee injury kind of helped them. I know it did, it did a little bit, but they put forth a, a pretty decent effort on defense. Yeah, they they did. They did. It was overall. I mean, it was a solid. It was a better output for them. But I think you get those kind of things week to week in the NFL anyway. I mean. Don't tell me about it. Yeah. So, tell me, don't get me started. Yeah, so, so it's not one of those things. I still don't. I mean, kudos to them. They played a good game. They looked a lot better. But I'm still not about to say, okay, now the Cowboys have really figured something out. And then the Steelers are 8-0 right now. Mike Tomlin, Coach Mike Tomlin, uh, has – I think they say that he, he is tied uh, coach. Uh, Tony Tom, Dungy? I think he Tony passed Dungy. Tony Dungy, huh? Yeah, he might have passed Tony Dungy as, a, as a, the most wins for a head a, a coach, an African-American head coach, which is huge, man. What do y'all – can y'all speak on Mike Tomlin a little bit just for a few minutes, then we'll move on. But it's, it's important to just point out just as a black man in this industry is tough. We've talked to multiple guys in this industry and he talked about the, the, the lack of diversity on his professional level, but a Mike Tomlin who is in his 12th season and to say that he's, he's never had a, a losing season, an outstanding coach lost Antonio Brown, lost Le'Veon who at the time were the best at their position. And, and, that, and that train just kept on chugging. Can you speak on Mike Tomlin and what he's meant to the league and how he's inspired guys like Coach Clark, a black black coach trying to on the come up of just having an opportunity, you know, and and and, and creating a, a lane for African American coaches? Uh, yeah, I yeah, guess. man, it's been huge, man. I mean, like that. My bad. Go ahead, Ramon. Nah, you can, you go ahead. You go ahead. You good? You didn't mean to cut him off, huh? <laughs> yeah, my bad, man. Um. Um, but I, I would just say this, and I'll keep it simple. It's been huge, man. It's just, again, consistency is the number one thing. You know, that's – you can look at the NFL player. If you're consistent, you're going to be successful, you know. And so, since this time, if you think about him replacing Bill Cowher, a complete legend, right? You know, Bill Cowher in his time has won championships. Him coming in and filling those shoes. At the time, he was a young guy. Everybody was kind of like, oh, who's this young guy? But he came in, was a complete motivator, and he's a no-nonsense type of guy. You, you can see that in his interviews, his post-games, you know, and he keeps it real, you know, and I think the players can respect that, and I think he has his players' respect, and they're going to play hard for him. Yeah, and basically echoing those same things, uh, what he really did, he came in and he put in a program. He built a program there, a true structure, and the thing is, when you've had guys who deviated from that and gotten outside of that structure, whether you want to use an Antonio Brown, like you said, as an example, or Le'Veon with the contract situation, you know, it's pretty much either you fit in or are you out of here. And, you know, they've been able to sustain success no matter what with that, you know, able to move on from those guys and continue to produce results. And I feel that he is um, he's just a heck of a leader. Um, and a true guy that has uh, true, I guess, discipline, you know, at the top. So you're going to respect him. He commands respect. And um, I believe that he's going to continue to have success. You know, he's going to continue to to set that standard. And I think that when we look years down the line, you know, we've had certain coaches, certain guys that we look to in different, you know, sports and different respects. I think that especially in the African-American community, that Mike Tomlin will be one of those guys, one of those legends that we'll look to and say, you know, man, that's someone I aspire to be like, or these young guys will come up and say, that's the kind of coach I want to be like. So 
pass off to Mike Tomlin, man. And I think he's going to continue to be able to do it. Yeah, so let's just, you know, move on to the scope of the league. Another huge storyline is who that nation, what up? The Saints with a huge win against the Buccaneers. We basically obliterated the Buccaneers. And I'm going to take a step back because I am not going to just rant on. I'm going to let you guys talk about how dominant the Saints look and just how well we contain the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who a lot of people had as wrote in as being Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, I would say that was a well-coached game by Sean Payton and the Saints. Um, I would say it was a dominant performance. The defensive line dominated their offensive line, and the really the the game was over pretty much at halftime. You know, when you can't move the ball and you have so many three and outs to start a game, and the team is putting up points on you you get yourself in a hole where you can't run the ball, then the, the, the defensive line can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, which we've seen Tom Brady had a rough game, a rough, rough game. And that's because they got out of the game so quickly and couldn't run. When you have no threat to run the ball, teams can really pin their ears back and get after you. So, again, I'll just say hats off to that well-coached game by Sean Payton and putting together a game plan to dominate Bruce Aarons, Aarons not only week one, but again, in week nine. Yeah, and like you said, I could you could tell that that this was almost in a sense personal. Like they had this circled on the schedule, on the calendar. Like they wanted to show and prove a point in this game, and they came out and did that. That was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from the Saints. I I did not expect that. Uh, you know, the whole Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans thing is always in a, a nice little battle right there. And Marshawn seems like he's, you know, tends to step up each and every time they face off. Uh, you think about the Breeze and Brady matchup. And um, it's been crazy over the years to really see that pretty much Breeze has kind of dominated that Breeze-Brady matchup uh, when they've gone head-to-head. I think Breeze is 5-2 is and two in that matchup. Tom Brady tends to struggle. I think he has more interceptions in those games than he has touchdowns. Um, so it was just very interesting to see. You know, we all have been looking and seeing Tampa kind of ascend, and Tampa was really ascending to that level and seeming to be a contender. And even before that game, you had pretty much the consensus pick um, from most of the experts, you know, out there that were picking Tampa Bay. Um, you know, we were picking the Saints going into that game. Shame but, on them. Yeah, but, including uh, Carlos, who ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> he had Tampa winning the game as well. I yeah. want you to speak for yourself. I did, bro. I did, man. I said it was a dominant game. I don't know what else you want me to say. Oh, the Saints are the best team in the world. They're gonna win a championship. No, I mean <laughs> they Saints handle business. Yeah, they definitely handle business, right. and we're gonna. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, guys. To, I'm gonna to go do ahead it. and do it. I'll go ahead, Ramon. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying we're going to leave the floor open for you now to, to do your thing. I want to start off by apologizing. <laughs> I want to apologize to Drew Brees. Uh, for the past month, he has been nothing short of amazing. And I just I just need to apologize to him. Uh, I think that he had, other than outside of the fumble, I think that he had a, close to the most perfect game. I think one of the best games he'd had all year just by him throwing the velocity was there. He was throwing uh 20 yard passes again. Uh, I think MT helped a lot and Emmanuel Sanders returning to the lineup 
But even that adds on to more respect about what we've been able to do for the past two weeks without Emmanuel Sanders and MT. And then prior to Emmanuel Sanders going out because of COVID, what we've been able to do without him having MT since week two. So um, I'm, I got to tip my hat off to Breeze. He has a, a little more in the tank than I thought he had. And um, I'm, 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 I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm back on. I'm back on it, bro. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. After that, after that win, we we dominate on every aspect of the game, uh, defensively. Uh, defensive line, I think, deserves the game ball just by how much they was able to make Tom Brady uncomfortable. And we know in the past, in, in Tom Brady's twenty-plus year career, if you're able to make him uncomfortable, if you're able to touch him and get him dirty, then you make him uncomfortable, you have a chance of winning. And I think we displayed that. Not to go on and on on the Saints, even though they're my favorite team. I do feel like they deserve that third spot in our rankings. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what we do from here. I'm, I'm praying that we don't have a dramatic hangover because that was an extremely huge win. But we got a chance to see Antonio Brown uh, to play, guys. Uh, he was finally activated after his spurt with the – with the Raiders last year, the, the, the minor spurt. Then he, he transitioned into uh, – he was traded away and uh, picked up by uh, – it was a quick Patriots By the Patriots. Huh. Caught one touchdown with them, and then the drama started. And here we are. Tampa has activated him. How did y'all think uh, – off the eye test, how do you think he looked in his first game back? Uh, I think he looked good, but I think – Adding him back to the offense put the offense pretty much out of rhythm, if that makes sense. Like he – I feel like, you know, trying to integrate him with all those type of pieces already in place, you know, the ball can only go around so much. It kind of threw the rhythm of the offense off. Um, that, that offense that was humming and doing well the previous weeks now or, you know, act like they just didn't know how to play football at all. So, really, the only difference in the offense is – Antonio Brown so I think and he got targets so I think that really caused them to you know throw the rhythm off and so you know and I just want to add this really quick too and this is probably a bold prediction but I think the Saints beat them twice this year right and I'm saying this now on November was it 10 12 today um I think the same I think the November 10th yeah okay I'm saying this on November 10th on a Tuesday I think the Buccaneers are going to get the Saints in the playoffs. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to <laughs> strike up debate, but I think the Buccaneers are going to turn around and get them in the playoffs. That's usually how it works. I, I mean, I'm not mad at that. That means that we're in the playoffs and uh, we we can handle the Buccaneers. I'm not scared of them. No, are you saying they're gonna? You saying they're gonna beat them in the playoffs, right? That's what you're saying, huh, Los? Right, he got it. Yeah, yeah. The Buccaneers are going to beat the Saints in the playoffs. Yeah, he's not saying that it's going to get there and match oh, that's up. That's not going to happen. We, yeah, I was about to say you kind of took that a little bit too nicely. Like, oh yeah, that means we're going to beat. Yeah, no, we all know y'all. how. We all know how the low feels about the Saints. So, but yeah, I feel, no, it's also, no disrespect, but I really feel that way. Yeah, it also matter too, that you obviously you feel that way. You said it. I mean. Yeah, and just a quick little thing. You seem too. a little bothered, man. Speak your yeah. mind. No, because I know how it, I know where this this is coming from. I know the place that this is coming from. Because <laughs> this just, is all factual. You despise the Saints. No, whatever. Go ahead, man. I'm no, not I was gonna, just saying. I'm not too. gonna. I'm not gonna stoop down to your yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I still don't buy into that. I still think that that matchup wise, I think that the Saints are a better team than the Thank Bucks. You, but what I will say is, I still think your your apology is premature to Drew Brees.
Mm. We've seen this year after year. We've seen it look good in the regular season. We've seen it look good to the, the final two games of the regular season. And then you get into the playoffs and things dip. And so I think that don't just be prisoner of the moment. And I know that's your squad. I know. Hey, man, it's been a month. Yeah. I've been I've been holding on my apology. He's been playing well all month. He's been playing well for like, you know, the past four weeks. So that's why. So, I mean, after, after I thought it was appropriate after a 38-3 win versus the Bucks that I had to go ahead and do it. But I feel you. You're right. It, and and it, it's, it's your apology. I just think I still want to throw that caution out there. I just – don't think that we. So you think my take... rant earlier this season is still warranted? Oh, I one hundred percent agree. You know, we we talked <laughs> about that before. I still believe that. I don't think Drew should have been the guy this year, and I don't think he should be the guy next year. But you know, but hats off to the Saints. That was a heck of a performance, heck of a game. Uh, yeah. So thank y'all, thank y'all, fellas. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. So, um. So, I mean, I, I guess um, we'd still talk about the Do we need to talk about the Chiefs? Or are they just doing typical <laughs> nah, Chiefs yeah, stuff? Yeah. The Chiefs or the Chiefs? <laughs> They're in mid-form, mid-season yeah. form, like regularly. The Bills, very impressive win versus the Seahawks. Uh, I won't talk get into the game. Of course, they won. But, of course, as well, our potential MVP candidate, Russell Wilson, had four turnovers. Is this the game that stopped him from getting MVP? I won't say that 100% yet. No, I but think I it's will, a lot. I will say that this is the, the, the game that caused him to dip in the rankings. Uh, I, I think that he was leading, and right now, if I had to say it, I would have Russell Wilson – uh, potentially probably third in my MVP rankings at this point. So I won't say that the case is done, that the that it's a lost cause, but I do – I have him third in my rankings after that performance. And I mean, well, give us one and two. You just can't say three yeah. and not give us one and yeah. two. So one and two, I, I actually have Patrick Mahomes as number one right now, and uh, I have Aaron Rodgers as number two. That was my uh, that was my hot take at the beginning of the season. Aaron Rodgers, Miami B. Yeah, nice. No, I, I say I still say you got to watch out for dangerous um, because again, that that game was uh, uh, expected to be a high scoring game. Um, he did take a step back, and I think they did play him def- defensively. But you can also look at games this year where Mahomes didn't play well with their one loss, and then you can look at games where. Aaron Rodgers didn't play well as well when people were kind of panicking. He was like, look, it was just one game. You know, I remember specifically Aaron Rodgers saying that this year. So, again, we can't knock Russ off of this one game. I would say Russ still, for me, is leading because, again, he's carrying a team right now that really defensively is the worst. They're, they're looking historically looking to shatter the worst passing defense right now if they stick, stay on the same pace that they are. And he's carrying that team to leading arguably the, the best, you know, division in football. So, again, I got to take my hats off to him for at least having this team to compete right now. You know, not to mention he was missing his starting running back. Not to mention, again, his pass, his defense sucks. To, so he has to put up points. He has to be the man. He can't – he can't – we see if he falters just a little bit, what happens with that team? You know what I'm saying? He has to be on his A game, which by definition is the most valuable player. 
I, th I think um, as well, I, I don't know if the game, that's well spoken of by you both, the guys. I want to spend more time on that. But uh, I think that it may have showed me that the Bills are more for real than the decline of Dangerous. I think that Dangerous is who it is. The Seahawks will be there. I think they're, they're, they are the cream of the crop when it comes to NFC, along with the Saints and the Bucks and whatnot. But I think that it showed how good of a team that the Bills are. And in my mind, Bills have slipped up into our top five rankings. I think the Bills um, are, are a pretty solid uh, contender to make some noise in the playoffs this year. No, I agree. I agree. And, and we talk about MVP candidates. Josh Allen is up in that conversation as well. So, it, you know, I think that when I looked at the Bills last year, I felt like they was a team that would they would only go as far as Josh Allen could carry them. And they added Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen has taken a step forward. I think that they are truly contenders this year. I agree with that. That I agree with that. They are truly contenders. Again, like you mentioned, and how we talked about before, the Patriots are no longer in their way. And we've seen this team, you know, take it to another level defensively and what Josh Allen can do with his legs and arm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think that that kind of wraps up any more NFL topics that we need to cover, headstream. So we'll touch into the NBA. The NBA has decided on December 22nd will be tip-off date. They, I know that they really, really wanted that Christmas day. That's that's a huge day for the, for the NBA. So it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, it, it really hurts the guy. That's 70 days from the, you know, 70-day 70 70 day break uh, from the guys that played in the finals. Um, I don't know how this is going to look, guys. When we knew COVID would affect the season this next season, but I think December is way too early to be starting an NBA season. Yeah, man, we talked about this a little bit, but it's, it's unfair to the teams that went far in the playoffs. It's really unfair because, again, they're getting roughly, I think it was like 71, 72 days off, you know, um, compared to almost double that in a, another, you know, during a regular regular season you know without COVID um so again it's unfair it's, cr it's cramming everything in you know within the next two or three weeks we're gonna have a draft we're gonna have free agency we're gonna have all these moving pieces kind of happening you're gonna supposed to put together a team and training camp to compete you know December 22nd it really is rushed I really think they should have moved it back maybe two or three weeks um but I get what the NBA on the NBA side is they're trying to um get the schedule back as normal as possible and it's going to take small sacrifices like this moving the season up yeah and, and you have to think about the financial implications you know that come from the way that you know this regular past regular season closed and how this regular season is going to be you know not not being able to consistently fill arenas um and all those different things like that so i think that of course this was definitely a big money move as well to go ahead and get it kicked off to even get that christmas day uh money and all of that factored in as well and so i think at the end of the day the nba just had to make a tough business decision i didn't agree with it of course you know we as lakers fans would have wanted to see the lakers get more time off being that they did play the final game of the nba season and don't have much time off but as a league with the financial implications i completely understand it i get it and honestly it probably is the move that they had to make yeah, we wouldn't. They weren't missing Christmas. They weren't missing their Christmas yeah. money. Um, 
I think I want to know what the implications of as far as injuries, as far as teams that made a deep run. Uh, KD, I think he was ready to come back probably physically, probably mid-season last year. But now you got him and Kyrie who decided to be disciplined in their preparations and say, hey, look, I'm done this season. KD, I'm done. I'm not playing this season. My timeline when I tore my Achilles was a season, a year. I'm going to take a full year. He's going to be on the vengeance. I, that's my comeback player of the year. Uh, nobody asked me, but I just throw it out there. But uh, we got the NBA draft, man. It seems like another ball will be taken in the top two pick. And not he's top two, not two. Seems like he's going to go number one, LaMelo Ball. Uh, do you see that? Do you see the Timberwolves taking him at number one? Or do you see somebody trading in to get him? Yeah, right now the rumors are saying that um, the Minnesota's trying to move out of that pick. You know, there's a lot of talent at the top, top of the, the round, the first three picks, you know, with Wiseman, with Anthony Edwards, and obviously with LaMelo Ball. Um, you know, I tweeted this maybe a year, maybe two years ago, that LaMelo Ball is going to be the number one pick. And the reason I said that at the time, people called me crazy, and I was like, no, he's not going to be the number one pick. There's no way. You know, again, tweeted this two years ago just because of his size. What people sleep on is his size, right? He is a 6'7", six, six, almost 6'8", six, probably has room to grow. He's still relatively young point guard, right? And not only, unlike his brother, Lonzo Ball, he can shoot the ball, right? And not only that, he's a playmaker and he gets out. Yes, his defense needs work. That's something that can come around. But again, if yours can sell tickets, if you can put the ball in the hole, that is one of those things that is going to get you know, teams interested in you, right? And the only thing, if this wouldn't be a conversation right now if he went to those top schools. If he went to Duke, right, or if he went to the North Carolinas, if he went to one of those big Kentuckys, one of those big programs, right now it'll be an easy number one pick. Because he played overseas and there's that question of, hey, can he really do this? He hasn't played against the top talent. He, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Again, my point is, if he went to play college ball in America, he'll be the number one pick, no question. I still think he will be, no matter what. Yeah, I do think that he'll, of course, end up being a number one pick. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Minnesota potentially does. He and D'Angelo Russell, I can see how it can work in the backcourt, but that would be kind of an interesting backcourt pairing right there. Uh, but I think ultimately right now, Minnesota just needs to go ahead and go with best talent available. I wouldn't trade out of it, honestly, if I was them. I'm a big believer in LaMelo Ball. Think is he's a heck of a playmaker, but then he can also get his own shot as well consistently. Um, and you've heard guys speaking over it for years, even Trey Young when he played some basketball with him and scrimmage with him. And guys like that have said, hey, Melo is the truth. So I think they just actually need to go ahead and stay there, take Melo and build off that. But, you know, we'll see what the movement is. But I think he'll definitely be the number one pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just huge, huge, huge that, um, you know, they'll be able to, you know, get that player. I, I would be interested to see how him and D'Angelo and, you know, obviously if they don't trade D'Angelo and obviously Big Cat, you know, work out over there. And when I say Cat, Car Anthony Towns, um, you know, that nucleus really work out and see if they can actually win games and get back into the playoff picture. Cause again, you look at those talented players, you would think that they can compete um, and be able to compete long-term. 
Yeah, I agree uh, with the mellow thing. So uh, they say that James Wiseman is up there, uh, a center out of Memphis, who uh, college season was short-lived because of some uh, violation implications, which we discussed before. And he, he could be a very viable option at that number one pick. But what do you guys think about him being rumored to say that he would not want to go to Minnesota if they were wanting to choose him? Kind of on some Eli Manning type deal when Eli Manning didn't want to go to the NFL Giants uh, back in the day. How do y'all feel about that? I'm, it, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the only thing I could really see him his issue being going to Minnesota would be that cat is there, and they do share the same vision, uh, the position of center. But is it – I mean, he's an 18-year-old kid. Like, you know, go right. where you're drafted at, you know. But what, right. what are y'all thoughts on that? One, yeah – yeah, I know you're speaking on when Eli didn't want to go to the San Diego Chargers during the time. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get it because, again, um, one, that it's not the biggest market, right? You know, they always – these players want to get into the biggest markets. They get the agents talking to them and stuff like that. And, two, I feel like if Minnesota made that type of move, that would be within mind them moving Carl Anthony Towns. You know, a, a lot of chirps and rumors – you know, are coming out that this is going to be a crazy offseason. Like, we're going to see trades and stuff like that that we didn't expect to happen because everything is so – everything's going to happen quick. Everybody's trying to make sure everything happens as far as signing, trades, and, you know, things like that. So, again, I don't – I get the move. Um, but, again, if they draft him, he's going to go play for him. I mean, what, what he's going to do, sit out. So, again, he can say what he want to say to move them. Um, but I don't know if it will be a good move by – uh, Minnesota, unless again they're trying to move Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and I think honestly he just wants to find his way over there into Golden State. <laughs> I think really he thinks that that's the logical move. Golden State for many years has lacked that consistent play at the center position. I think that he feels that he fits logically over there. Doesn't really see the fit of he and Carl Anthony Towns playing together, especially in this current day NBA. Uh, so I understand it. Uh, do I totally appreciate it? Mm. I think you should, you know, go wherever you get drafted. Um, but I do understand why he and his camp would come out and say they, they wouldn't want to land there. I just don't see the fit over there in Minnesota. And if you can land at that number two pick and find your way over there to Golden State, hey, why not? So, um, I, yeah, that I is true. Yeah, that is so. true, man. Golden State, uh, which has been kind of like their kryptonite, like, which is crazy to say with all the success they've had in this past uh, back in this decade of the last decade, uh, dating back to 2014. But it's just having a center. And now they would have a very viable center option. So I feel like Golden State would be the greatest fit for James Wiseman. But Anthony Edwards out of Georgia has a lot to say. A talented scorer, talented shooting guard. Uh, I think that he's probably one of the better shooting guard prospects coming out of their draft maybe since the, the fella out of Phoenix, Devin Booker. But uh, he's an ultra-talented guy, and even someone saying that he could possibly go number one. Thoughts on that prospect? We That'll be the cover in the top three that we have in the NBA. We'll cover more closer to the draft, which you know, we have less than a week to do. But we'll figure that out later. But your thoughts on Anthony Edwards coming out of Georgia? Yeah, I think he's special. You know, a lot of them compare him to Dwayne Wade. Um, coming out, um, but I actually think he is going to be better than Dwayne Wade. I know that's kind of crazy to say because Dwayne Wade is 
Hey, that's a hot take, man. That's a hot take. I think he's going to be better than Dwayne Wade. I think he has the confidence. I think he has the shot. And I think he has the athleticism to to do it. You know, it's just all about finding that right situation, right? Dwayne Wade was ha- lucky, was ha- was fortunate enough to get a shack on the back end of his career to get some championships. Um, so, and obviously LeBron and the big three and things like that. But um, you know, it's going to be really about the situation that he falls in and see how you know, where he goes, and that, that's going to really determine what type of career. Because, again, you can get in a situation and they don't even use his talent, right? They barely use him or, you know, it's not until really he gets the right coach. So, again, I think if he falls in the right situation, he has an, a chance to be better than Dwayne Way. I think he will be. Uh, I don't agree with that high take. Uh, I do think that he is a, is a great combo guard. And I think that, like you mentioned, I mean, you already covered him as a prospect of his athleticism, the way he shoots the ball and all of that. Uh, I'm, I'm just not quite ready to, to look at him and say he's going to be better than Dwayne Wade. And that's just, for me personally, I have Dwayne Wade as my third best shooting guard of all time. So that's that's saying a lot if I'm Thank ready you. to say a, a prospect is going to be better than the third best shooting guard of all time. But that's not to take anything away from uh, Edwards. I think that he, you know, is brilliant. And honestly, this top three is give or take. Really for me, my top two prospects are LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, and it's like neck and neck. I don't really – I'm going to say it. I think that they are a tier above James Wiseman, and this is just me. I feel that LaMelo and Anthony Edwards are that top tier, and then I go under that, and then that's where Wiseman falls for me. I don't have him as good as those guys, even though he may be picked before one of those guys. But Well, the center position is difficult to play, and – like I mentioned earlier, his college career was cut short. It was very promising. It, I like what I saw in the first couple of games that he played. Of course, and he dominated, but it's not like you can come in the NBA as a center and just completely just dominate. I mean, Shaq did it. Shaq's in the Hall of Fame, and I don't have to speak on how great Shaq is. Uh, maybe top top ten player of all time. Um, I don't know if I see James Wyman in that light yet. You know, not to say he won't get there, but, I mean, he's 18. Um, and his last game was probably AAU in high school, uh, you know, full season-wise. So, you know, not to say he's not talented enough to come in the league and make some type of – but it's going to take time. They're gonna, he's going to go somewhere where they're going to develop him. He's, he's not, he can't go somewhere and, and expect him to be uh, just a, a, a franchise-changing player up front. So, um I think that the, you know, I think that the Warriors would be a good place for him to go because he wouldn't be expected or leaned upon to be that guy right away because the Splash Brothers are coming back on a vengeance. But, yeah, I mean, Anthony Elvis, very talented guy. I, I do think uh, LaMelo just – I think what gives me the edge for LaMelo over Anthony Edwards is probably his height. But, uh, I mean, his playmaking ability, his professional experience – I mean, I don't know. I, I he's don't showtime, know. man. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he's, he's talented. I mean, when, when Lonzo said that he's better than me, and Lonzo said this two years ago that, that Melo is better than he is. So, and Lonzo, I think, is, is very extremely talented. But that's neither here nor there. Hey, that, that little show I told y'all about, Ball in the Family, is back on Facebook. So make sure y'all check that out, man. That's my show, man. I'll be addicted. That's my guilty pleasure. I'll be watching that thing. But anyway – I think we did another one, guys. We appreciate you all for rocking with us this long. If you have, uh, make sure you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers 
on Instagram and Twitter. Ramon, let them know where we where we stand and where they should subscribe to the podcast and what platforms they can find us at. Yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. Uh, you can also find us on Google Podcasts because it switched from Google Play now to Google Podcasts. And there's so many others. I mean, we on iHeartRadio. We on Himalaya. We don't name all the things that we on, but mainly focus on that Apple Podcast. Um, I know it's Google Podcasts. And you can find us there at Opinionated Benchwarmers. Well, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. We appreciate y'all for listening. We'll be back again for another edition. But until then, y'all, please be careful. And stay up, man. We'll be back. Later. All right, later.